0: And the three of you guys, you put one thing, you're out of this game. I run a clean game here. I have any trouble, I'll suspend you. I'm looking at a fucking song! I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. And try fire out, freak! Two! Two! Three, three. You belong in the circus the
1: dog-faced boy.
0: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum.
1: Sheep flying, no good, rotten, fork flushing low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed,
0: ignorant, blunt, sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped we headed back of monkeys! Meh 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 Me And now, together by live simulation via the internets, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell.
1: Blah blah blah! blah
2: blah Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is our special election year episode where we uh examine two comic book presidencies and I'm uh, I'm really honored to be here with uh, a NASA consultant from 1986 to 1992 Mr. Scott Gardner how you doing freak
1: hey I'm good how are you
2: I'm doing pretty good yeah maybe you should maybe you should tell us a little bit about uh what's going on with this episode
1: cool Um, for those that don't know um, this is a special episode for us. There is an event going on right now in um, comic-related podcasts. Um, thanks to the people at uh, the Comic Geek Speak podcast, um, they, they host an event from time to time where it, they, they pick up... Uh, uh, the, under, the way I understand it works is um, from time to time, they have a theme month. And any podcast that wants to participate basically just lets CGS know, hey, we want to join in on this. And um, the Comic Geek Speak guys handle all the, the promotion and that sort of thing you know, through their podcast and on their site, um, thecomicforums.com. And you can go there and you can get a list of everyone who's participating in this. The theme for this particular month in this podcasting crossover, I guess you would call it, is politics in comics. And so a lot of other comics are, are excuse me, a lot of other podcasts are participating in this particular subject and uh, you know, just discussing anything relating to politics in comics. What we are discussing are two issues, two different comics by two different publishers, um, focusing on um, different uh, presidencies, the first book that we're going to review is from April of 1991. This is What If Marvel Comics What If, um, first series number 26. Wait, wait a what minute. if it's
2: from 1981?
1: Uh, what did I say?
2: 91. You put
1: 10. Oh, years I'm sorry. 81. It. Yes, 1981. I'm sorry. Um, what If Captain America? Had been elected president. I I've always liked this issue. It's one of my favorite issues of "What If," um, <clears throat> written by Mike W. Barr, um, with art in this issue by Herb. Uh, it's either Trimp or Trimpy. I've always said Trimp, but I've heard it pronounced Trimpy. And uh, Mike Esposito. Um, a short recap on the on the premise leading up to the story on this one is. Uh, During the classic uh, Roger Stern, John Byrne run of Captain America, which if you haven't read it, it's great. It's right up there with Byrne's run on X-Men with Claremont, um, his uh, Fantastic Four stuff, his Man of Steel stuff. I don't hear a lot of people talk about his and Stern's run on Cap, but it's great. It's been reprinted. Seek it out. Well worth a read. Not a very long run, but very memorable and set up a lot of things for the later creators. Um, anyway, during their run, um, there was a story where Cap was approached by a group who were the new populist party, um, basically an independent—excuse <clears throat> me, an independent political party—who wanted Cap to run for president. Um, at the end of that issue, um, Cap turns them down. He decides that he's he's better served and better he better serves the country as a symbol of America rather than trying to run America or, you know, be the president and tell America what to do or whatever. So he turns him down, and that's how that story ends. In this issue, um, a very, what did you call him, Chris? A bulbous-headed watcher? Yeah,
2: he's, he's especially egg-headed in this one for some <laughs> yes, reason. His he forehead is. seems to stand out a little bit, especially in that first splash panel. It, it looks like somebody like... It looks like he ran into the wall, maybe you know the day before
1: <laughs> he he's got like a silly putty head,
2: yeah, oh, definitely, definitely <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> he uh you know the the watcher would typically come into these books at the beginning and give you the whole you know I'm the watcher, and I see all reality, and you know here's an alternate story, and you know so he does that whole watcher watcher introduction thing, recaps what had been going on in the cat books of this era. And brings us up to the point where Cap is um, at the podium at the New Populist Party Convention. And in the original story, Cap delivers a stirring speech about how he can't do it. You know, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. In this story, he's about to tell the folks, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And this story presupposes that Cap actually sees the disappointment on their faces. He actually feels, you know, that he's letting these people down. And he decides at the last minute to change his mind. And he says, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I'm going to win. I'm running for president. So Cap announces his, his, you uh, know, his intention to run for president. And he thinks to himself, I call myself a symbol of America and I can make Americans proud of themselves proud of their country, or he says, and if I can, rather, make Americans proud of themselves and proud of their country, how can I deny them that? And, uh, there's a really cool moment where, you know, Walter Cronkite himself is there at the convention, has kind of a holy cow, Cap's really going to do it moment, um, you know, announcing to the world that, you know, Cap is indeed running for president. I really like the the follow-up where, uh, you know, a, a member of the press, um, ambushes the Fantastic Four um, as they're leaving the Baxter building to get a reaction from them and Reed Richards is like, you know, sorry you know, we, we don't endorse any political candidates and then the thing snatches the microphone away from the guy and he's like, you know basically, well, to heck with that you know, I'm voting for Winghead, you know, and I, I always like that, you know, that he's, he's always the gruff, outspoken one, but in this, in this case, you know, he's basically like, you know, I don't care what Reed says I'm putting it on the record, I'm voting for Cap and you know, there's other react. You know, there's a, a nice reaction where uh, with you know Jake J- Jonah, Jonah Jameson is starting to get on his high horse about you know Cap, and he's going to show him. And Spider Man comes to the window and and, and gets Jonah all worked up by telling Jonah that you know he's going to run as Cap's vice president, but he's really just you know messing with with Jonah, just getting you know getting his blood pressure up. And uh, and then we go to Cap, um in the offices of uh of the party and you said you really like this moment where he's talking to like the, the stereotypical uh fat cats. Yeah, he's
2: got the you know, the fat cats who run the new populist party and they're telling him, Look, you know, we got it from here, you're the figurehead, you know, we'll we'll get you in office and we got good people to to give you advice and tell you what to do and we'll get you a vice president, and he's picked um, Senator Andrew Jackson-Hawk, who's who's a big black man, as his vice president, and they don't like the idea that he picked his own vice president. He basically says, look, if I'm going to be president, I'm going to, you know, make the choices, and if you don't like my choice of, you know, running mate, I won't even run, and he slams the door on him, and basically... Tells him I'm gonna do it my way. You guys are, you know, you're out of there, or he's I, basically you know, not listening to him.
1: Well, this comic, you know, was was published 27 years ago, and I can't tell you how long it's been since I last looked at right. it. Um, and it was it was neat for me to reread it because there was actually two big plot points that I totally misremembered. One of them is, and and, and I hope this doesn't come across sounding whatever on my part. But this guy is drawn to look just like the Falcon in his civilian identity. And I think his name is Sam Wilson, if I remember right. And so I had always misremembered his running mate as Sam Wilson, who I'm pretty sure that later on, didn't he become like a Senator or something like that? And his, I I can't remember. It seems to me that Sam Wilson did eventually get into politics and some sort of level. But anyway, I I'd always thought that it was the Falcon was his running mate in this and I was kind of surprised rereading it that it's this dude that it's a to my idea. knowledge is not in regular continuity. I I've never heard of him before. If he's in there I I'm just not aware of it, but I I just thought that was neat to reread this and go, "Hey, wait, this isn't the Falcon. Who is this guy?" Well, but, I, uh, I don't 80s, want that to sound prejudiced or anything, but he's definitely drawn to look like the Falcon, yes. I think. Just and, like and, him.
2: But... And in the 80s, you know, it was um <clears throat> I don't think it would be a big deal for a, a black vice presidential candidate. I'd, I'm not. I can't remember. I think Jesse Jackson had run as president by this point. By this point, point Hattie. I think he may had have. He but had, I remember
1: he, when he ran, but I can't remember what year it was.
2: Either way, you know, this would have been a really radical move if this comic came out ten years earlier, in like 1971. But there's also about three quarters of the next page are uh, devoted to. Uh, cap talking to uh samuel jackson hawk and samuel jackson
1: hawk no, it's and- <laughs> samuel and- jackson
2: hawk <laughs>
1: well that's what i'm gonna call it from andrew, now on andrew jackson yeah samuel jackson hawk
2: and and yeah, so you got captain America and andrew jackson so you got a very presidential sounding ticket and he's saying look just- it, if you want me to be your vice president you know just because i'm black then forget it because i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna have anything to do with just sort of being a symbolic vice president Captain America reads through his qualifications and said "Look, this is why I picked you I picked you as a partner and you have these qualifications and I don't have any experience so I'm gonna need you you know as a president I picked you I I basically says I picked you because you are you the person I think that knows what he's doing enough that I'll trust mm-hmm. his guidance. So that wins over this guy and is like all right, I'll run your ticket. And uh then Ronald Ronald Reagan and I guess it's supposed to be actually really Ronald Reagan. His hair's kind of red, but that might just
1: be a <laughs> He looks like Reagan, but that guy that that's I'm assuming that's supposed to be Carter. He looks he looks because, like Orville Redenbacher well, in the, or something. Well, in the
2: race, Here. I mean, Captain America is—he's running against Carter and and Reagan because you see there.
1: Well, look uh, at that guy on page seven at oh, the yeah. very bottom, giving the look like—he he looks really bizarre. It doesn't look like Reagan. Oh, I mean, excuse me, Carter. To me, he looks like a TV evangelist or something. Yes. He looks really. Strange.
2: Well, Carter on the on page nine, there's a more. Yeah. a more Carter looking, where he looks like he's either giving, he's waving his hand, but it looks like a combination peace sign, Vulcan sign, and then Reagan's giving <laughs> the thumb up. And Reagan's got red hair in this this frame, too.
1: That looks like him, though. It looks just like Reagan.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so you know, he's he's running against the actual Ronald Reagan and, and Jimmy Carter in this, and of course since it's what if Captain America became president, he, he, he beats them. And, uh, but only after Ronald Reagan makes a point of going, How can we elect anybody president that we don't know who they are? So then he announces if I become president I will uh expose my my true identity.
1: Which I like that because that to me was that was one of the, the hokier parts of it was it, it precisely that is that I mean I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Jesus. You know, if, if Jesus you know, was a masked man, you know, I mean, w- you know, how could he run for this? Yeah, you know what I, I mean? I still want and, to see
2: your birth certificate. Exactly. <laughs> know that you're, you're a still, naturalized citizen or whatever, you, the qualifications. That, so he would have had to have shown his true identity before he actually became president and viably in real I really like real this life.
1: quote. I, I was looking at this quote and I really like it. Um, in the part where, where cap is trying to convince this guy that he wants him for who he is, not, you know, not for some sort of racial thing or whatever. I really like where he tells him, I'm offering you a ride to the, uh, or I'm not rather, I'm not offering you a ride to the white house on the back of the bus. I'm looking for a partner, not an errand boy. I like right. that. That's a, that's a good quote. You know, that's a good,
2: uh, that's a quote that wins dialogue. him over. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. quote that wins him over. And, and, uh, makes him his committed running mate. So so then, of course, they win.
0: John F. Kennedy Lyndon B. Johnson Richard M. Nixon Gerald R. Ford Jimmy Carter And the current president of the United States, America
2: and here's where the really interesting stuff happens, yeah, you know he reveals his identity,
1: which shocks Bernie Rosenthal, which during the stern burn run had Ben Cap's girlfriend. I'm not sure if they were still together in by the time this book would have come out, or even at the time that this timeline's supposed to be in this in this alternate tale. But I, I still think it's neat. She's either she's either his girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend by this point. But I like that she's, you know, when he finally reveals himself, immediately, you know, it's the first thing he does. He's basically keeping his first campaign promise, is what he says. Right. As soon as he's actually sworn in, he yanks his mask off and and reveals his identity. And then uh, you know, there's a great reaction shot of her going, Steve, you know? And then I love this point. I like it for for its kind of silliness, but I also like it for its its somewhat uh, bittersweet irony. Um, there's a the very next panel is a shot of we're looking through a sniper's scope and the crosshairs are right on the side of Captain America's face, and someone's going to assassinate him, and like his America sense goes off, and he you know ducks out of the way of the bullet, and I just like that kind of irony because, you know, of course that is eventually how Cap dies. You know, he is shot I can't remember if he's actually shot by a sniper, but I know he is, you know, he's assassinated on the isn't it like the steps of a courthouse or something? Have you read that issue? No, I haven't. I
2: did not yeah, I'm it's news to me.
1: Yeah, he this was a year year and a half ago i guess in 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 continuity it was cap number 25 of the current series and i'm not sure what issue they're on i read the issue and i can't remember exactly how he died but anyway it was you know he was taken into custody basically and before he could get very far somebody shot somebody somebody shot him and that's how he died yeah so in the in the in the book right now he's actually dead he's still dead yeah but this, uh,
2: but this is like a, this part is a typical, this is where it has a typical superhero moment where, you know, the assassin tries to kill him. He puts his, puts his hat back on, grabs his shield and goes and gets him. Yeah, I <laughs> Goes love and gets him himself with the secret agents, you know, with his, his um, security staff, you know, trailing behind, try, <laughs> trying to, trying to take care of him.
1: And they're like, we're supposed to be guarding him? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, you know, he goes on to uh, be actually a, a, a pretty effective president. You know, he solves the energy crisis through solar power and... All
2: this stuff in like a page or two, too. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. He, just, you know, he, he, yeah, he puts up a satellite that collects solar power and beams it down, thus freeing us from the tyranny of foreign oil and pretty much single-handedly wipes out the terrorist threat by going <laughs> going and getting them and uh and then um then he decides um and this is this is where the book it's it this is this book came out before the whole Iran-Contra um scandal of Reagan's administration but uh he uh he starts funding rebels in the tiny country of San, San Pedro, you know, uh, s- probably um South American mm-hmm. or uh ca- ca- you know, so he's he's funding these rebels led by this very Che Guevara looking guy who to overthrow, you know, the 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 tyrannical president and. uh... So in order to, uh, aid them, he, he arms them with solar power weapons that have been developed from the solar power satellite that he has. So they, they're able to overthrow the tyrannical government and install, um, Yahinto Mores, a valiant voice in South American politics for years, a man thought dead, who's returned once again, escaping a dictator's prison or the cold clutch of death itself, to lead his people to victory, and he becomes the new leader of San Pedro. So this sort of this sort of anticipates, you know, that's what we sort of had going on down in uh, Nicaragua and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and you know, we were funding we were funding rebels. It pro- it wasn't quite as uh, Black and white, cut, dried situation is this, but it's two panels. And what if <laughs> Captain well, America? It... And, and I, might I, I add, that... also on the page before this, the Watchers looking even more something's wrong with that guy. His head's just <laughs> changing shape from from page to page.
1: He looks like a bald granny goodness in that. In yes, that. really. <laughs> yes, does. he's
2: definitely he... a little feminine in that.
1: He is. It's kind of weird. I I think the comparison to Reagan is is very apt because it it's got a very Reagan, you know, you know, let's let's get away from bipartisan politics feel to it, and more of a let's solve America's problems feel. And then everything he does with this South American thing, much like Reagan, comes back to totally bite him in the yep. ass because he backs this guy. Without really knowing him, I think, and like it says in the, in the text here, you know, the guy was thought to be dead. Well, after it's all said and done, and this guy becomes the new uh, Presidente down there, he invites Cap down. Cap, for whatever reason, takes him up on the offer, goes down there. Even
2: though his and... vice president said, don't go, I have a, yep. I have a bad yep. feeling about this.
1: And he goes, and he's in the presidential palace in San Pedro with this dude, and while he's got his back turned to him, he yanks off his rubber face,
2: Uh and (laughs) it's
1: none other than the Red Skull.
2: And here's where we go back into comic book land. Yep.
1: And this, to me, is where the the story actually takes kind of a – I don't want to say a downturn, but it takes kind of the stereotypical comic book turn to where it, it goes from being a really cool alternate tale to kind of just your standard comic book plot where, ha, I've suckered you, Captain America, and now I'm going to lock you up and I'm going to, whatever he's threatening to do, I think he's threatening to he's destroy to melt the him. White House okay. and
2: melt yeah, good chunks right. of America with the solar um, with the solar satellite, turn the energy right. on America rather than giving it to them for power.
1: That's right. That's why Cap that's right. I was trying to remember why Cap sacrifices himself in this story because that always seemed that always bugged me like, you know, why didn't Cap fight harder for his own survival? That's what it is, is that he feels responsible because the Red Skull's threatening America with the very right. um thing that Cap put in orbit. You know, the, right. the solar he thing. Messed so ca- <laughs>
2: he messed up he messed up big time and he and Unlike most presidents, he he takes full responsibility for it, and sets forth to correct it. But as you said, as as you said, Mister Spoiler, he he has to sacrifice himself because he realizes, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm the president of the United States. When he was captive of the Red Skull, you know, he's pre- the the a foreign country had the president of the United States in shackles in a in a prison cell, you know. And so his, his actions have much more wider consequences, you know, they, they have consequences through millions of lives. And he realizes the Red Skull's gonna go to his grave trying to destroy Captain America. And as long as he's president, you know, you know, that's, that's what the Red Skull's gonna strike against because he knows that's what's gonna get Captain America the, the most. So he knows at the very least the Red Skull's gotta die so
1: note to supervillains: um when you've locked up the good guy you know like never leave batman's utility belt laying where he can reach it and in this one cap escapes because the red skull leaves Cap's shield laying right at his feet where he can pick it up and and use it and even if cap had done nothing more with his shield than throw it through the bars and hit the red skull in the back of the head to just piss him off I mean, why would you do that? Why would you leave Cap's shield laying right there at his feet for him to pick up and use? You know, the thing's indestructible. But anyway, Cap escapes. They fight to the death. And uh, this was the other big thing that I had totally misremembered as a kid. For some reason, I guess it's because the the presidential palace in San Pedro looks a heck of a lot like the White House. I always thought that the final battle in this book took place in the White House, and it doesn't. But I, I always liked the... You know, there's the four panels of, like, Cap and and, and the Red Skull are fighting. And then there's one that's just, like, this weird, like, it's like they're being zapped by rays or something Mm -hmm. effect. And then there's the explosion. And then I love this panel. This was the one panel that would always come to my mind whenever I thought back on this issue is the picture of the the Hazmat team. And they're going through kind of like, it almost looks like the World Trade Center rubble. And all that's left is Cap Shield. It's like the only thing that they find. So then at the end of the story, you know, after that, you know, it cuts to um this must be yeah, Arlington. Yeah, it's Arlington National Cemetery. And there's this great big, very Jim Staranko looking Captain America tombstone. And like um this looks like uh it looks like Nick Fury, but I, I can't tell for sure. But it looks a lot like Nick Fury. Handing Cap Shield to the Falcon, and there's a great like just reaction shot from like the FF, and Daredevil, the X-Men, the Avengers, Spider-Man. You know, all these heroes are all gathered around. You very somber looking. Um, I always thought it was funny though that you know, of all these people that were Cap's friends, a lot of them were his teammates some of the women characters even kind of had the hots for cap. The only one that's really torn up. The only one that looks like he's probably really bawling, is the thing. He's like got his, his heads, you know, his face is in his hands and he looks like he's really tore up about the whole thing. The rest of them are all standing there kind of like, you know, like with their hands in front of them or behind them, like almost like they're, they're praying or, you know, just, just solemn, you know, just really solemn looking, you know, really sad that cap's gone and everything. And, you know, they're getting a, getting a speech by whoever this i don't see here where it says who the guy is that's talking It It sure looks and sounds by the dialogue like it's supposed to be um nick Nick fury Fury. i think well
2: when you see the long shot of him handing off the shield it has that there's sort of like something sticking off his head like a cigar like a cigar he would have although it'd be kind of rude to be at a the president's funeral with a cigar sticking out of your mouth but he's
1: I don't think it's any ruder than, than the falcon being there with, with his bird, Redwing, I think his name is. Yeah. And that, that seems kind of odd to me, too. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like, you know, the last panel is, uh, you know, Cap in the clouds, you know, with the flag blowing behind him, you like know. The Bible he's, quote you know, at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, and you've got... <laughs> Now you've got the 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 watcher, and he's got like this great big body, this huge fist, and like this little like shrunken head,
2: yeah, he's got like a little like Christmas tree light bulb head or like a flashlight <laughs> light bulb head this time, and these big I old, love and him his himself. big old, it, it's just like his fist is as big as his head. Why he's standing there <laughs> making a fist too, I don't know. it must be just like, ah, the strength of Captain America, but one thing in these last two pages since his death that they don't mention. Which would have been a big milestone was now America has its first black president. Yeah, they totally
1: glossed over that.
2: It's not mentioned. It's Captain America's story, I guess. But yeah, at the end of Captain America's Captain America's presidency ends and brings about the the first black president of the United States.
1: Bullshit, man! It's Stan Lee keeping the black man down. It's just not right.
2: Yes yeah I heard there was a the conspiracy with I heard Stanley's a white supremacist and made sure that the panel of the black president got actually I heard they printed like 50 <laughs> issues of it and they're worth like 10 billion dollars a piece if you get Kidding a,
1: Stan we're kidding Yeah yeah <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> I I'm assuming
2: Stanley has a sense of humor I I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not being I too dry I hope so
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, thoughts on this issue.
2: I liked it. I thought it was very um, it's it was very. I I remember you having me, <clears throat> pardon me. I'll uh, read this when we were kids, because we would just sit around your room, re- like re- reading from your humongous comic collection at that time. Why? Thank you. And uh, I, I I remember reading this, but not too well. But I remember. Um, enjoying it but now as an adult and with the you know putting it in the context of the the time period when it came out it was it's really fun to see how the writers and how Marvel approached what w- is basically a story of their dream president you know this is what the at least the writer but I'm sure there a lot of people I'm sure there were some conversations over what they did and didn't want to do just so they didn't step on any toes or piss people off too much and it was very interesting what they came up with and i you know i um i just i i just thought it was a very i thought it was very prescient that they had the whole sort of iran contra thing that, that that ran through it too at the same time
1: i it, really like this issue and i i really enjoy it i i enjoy it for It's fantasy look, like you say, at, you know, at what's probably the ideal Marvel president. And I like, you know, the thing with the, with the rebels. And I I like, you know, that Cap realizes he messed up and all that. But what's, what's kind of funny to me too, rereading this now after all these years is it's very 80-ness. It's very, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of innocent. But also, other than the thing with Reagan saying, you know, well, we can't have a masked man run for president, there's there's no
2: negativity. Bite.
1: There's Yeah, there's absolutely no negative. There's no criticism of Cap at all, which actually is kind of nice. You know, yes, it's very innocent. And yes, it's very, I guess, probably hokey. Well, it's
2: a hokey, innocent but, and comic. It, that's a what, you know.
1: Yeah. But thats I think that's the absolute charm of it. I think that's what I like most is, you know, in an age where, you know, depending on, you know, which guy you support or which side of the aisle, you know, you, you, you hang with, the other guy is, you know, a rotten, no good SOB. You know, he's evil. He's the son of Satan. And this book has none of that. You know, even... Yeah, it, doesn't have, two,
2: it doesn't have like... Rush Gimbaugh or Keith Oberham, you know, yeah. going on the radio and going, Well, is it Captain America really a communist? Uh, or you know, or you know, what we don't know about him, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's no and that's, none of that aspect of politics.
1: And that's actually it's actually kind of funny when I think about it, because not long ago, um, I read the uh the whole Secret Empire story, which happened not too many years before this where cap basically was the victim of a lot of slander again it turned out to be of course a big supervillain plot right. but the whole <laughs> thing was basically um where he was being badmouthed in the media and and a lot of doubt was being put on his character you know as basically you know what do we really know about th- this guy you know where's yeah. the flag and he represents the nation but you know what about those of us that might not agree with his politics and what what about those of us that don't think that he represents our America and it's funny reading it because you know it's it's you know very much a product of its time but at the same rate it's a it was a little bit prescient of the way politics actually are run in this country these days if you're on the other side especially like if you listen to the media talk about say like the Republican president they're saying a lot of the same things about that guy that this secret empire storyline the the bad guys in this were saying about cap to make him look bad in the public eye, and they actually successfully turned public opinion against cap and I thought it was funny of course this this issue of what if has two other stories in it, so you know they 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 didn't they didn't devote a whole lot of time
2: no, yeah, panel by panel it's it's pretty moves across pretty fast you know
1: but i mean if they ever revisited the story that that's something that in a way i'd kind of like to see them do that but in a way i like it just like it is because it is very innocent it's very you know everybody loves cap cap gets elected by a landslide everybody's behind him there's no resistance to him anything he wants to do whether it's put the satellite (laughs) he just does Does it it, and there's like nobody bitches about anything he's just that's great you know it's just a good thing he didn't like completely declare himself like
2: reality <laughs> <laughs> completely the but opposite I, I, of reality I,
1: enjoy it. I i still enjoy it it's a lot of fun and uh, and we recommend it
2: and uh we're going to um after this break we're going to skip ahead a few years and go over another iconic comic book character's presidency in a in a similar comic book
1: yep right after this
2: yeah but before that yeah this moment of extreme extreme patriotism brought to you by <laughs> two true freaks Everyone's with captain kirk.
0: i'm captain kirk
2: and now sit back and relax as we uncork a bottle of vintage kirk brought to you by master of motor william shatner
0: emmy Among my people, we carry many such words as this from many lands, many worlds. Many are equally good and are as well respected. But wherever we have gone, no words have said this thing of importance in quite this way. Look at these three words written larger than the rest with a special pride never written before. Or since tall words proudly saying, we the people... That which you call Eid Plebnista was not written for the chiefs, or the kings, or the warriors, or the rich, or the powerful, but for all the people. Down the centuries you have slurred the meaning out of the words, We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this Constitution. These words and the words that follow were not written only for the Yangs, but for the Korms as well. The Korms? They must apply to everyone or they mean nothing. Do you understand? Do not fully understand one named Kirk, but the holy words will be obeyed Gerald R. Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush,
1: and the current President of the United States, Superman. All right, we're back. And, uh, true to my word, um, I'm not doing the show straight anymore, (laughs) so I'm on my, I'm on my second bottle of, uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade. Um, so if I start to, um, slur my words or whatever, then, uh, I, I apologize. It's been a long day. Um, I slept two hours last night, got up this morning, cut the lawn, um, did some other stuff, messed around the house laid down for a nap that never did take. I think I fell asleep maybe five minutes before my wife came to get me up to go to the Braves game tonight. So it's been a real long day. <laughs> but I'm
2: good. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you're a lightweight. I work at a bar, so like two two lemonades, you're a lightweight compared to... Now, if I was drinking, if I was two two drinks in, I'd probably be slurring my words and my head would be on the front of my computer desk and drool would be dribbling out of my mouth i'm a super lightweight so someday (laughs) someday we'll do a show where uh where i'll get myself a little bottle of tequila or something and uh that should be entertaining we'll have to pick the right subject for that but i
1: imagine that next time we do like one of our four-hour marathons i'll be stinking ripped by the end of the show
2: well, this is um, this is a a show about politics, and politics and alcohol are usually a pretty bad combination, you know.
1: Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to behave myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to our next book, and we are jumping ahead in time. What about ten years? Exactly, right? Let's
2: Pretty much, it's nineteen ninety one.
1: Is it? I'm trying. Oh yeah. Okay. I see it now. Yes. We are jumping ahead to nineteen ninety one this is action comics annual number three. This was part of the Armageddon 2001 crossover event, which I don't want to spend a lot of time lingering on this. Basically the premise of Armageddon 2001 was this character called the uh, Wave Rider. He comes from an alternate future where it's run by this dude called the Monarch. And for some goofy reason, nobody knows who the monarch really is all they know is that he used to be a superhero and now he's the monarch and so wave rider is going through all of the heroes um during this event in 91 and looking at their alternate futures to try to figure out which one of these dudes is going to snap and become the monarch got it okay so anyway Um, this issue, um, written by probably my favorite comic book writer, um, Roger Stern. He is definitely one of my, if if he's not my favorite, he's definitely one of my, my top, top tier guys. Um, particularly his Superman stuff. He, to me, he nails Superman. He, he, he boils Superman down to his essentials. Just a, a great Superman writer. He really captures the essence and the core of the character. And I would say the same thing for, um, when he wrote uh man uh right around you know the time that he and Mary Jane started to get serious, and when they were uh you know got married and all that uh the black costume saga all that uh just just a great comics writer and uh I was pleasantly surprised by two things uh upon picking this issue back up um I probably had not reread this issue since I originally read it in ninety one and I was very pleasantly- su- surprised to find for one thing. Um, I had this uh, issue personally autographed to me by uh, Roger Stern, and I don't remember ever having done that. So that was really cool, not to brag. Um, but also, uh, this issue is penciled by Tom Grummet, who, I, man, his art, I've always liked him. I've always been a fan, but the art in this issue is just fantastic. I really like the uh, the art in this book. It has a, um, a, anyway.
2: a classic splash page, if I may just... Oh yeah! Interject this—the you know it's Superman smashing in through a cavern. It's uh, set you know one mile below Carlsbad Cavern, and he's smashing in on these two guys in their green sort of bug outfits. One of them is holding the gun, and you know so he's bursting in on whatever their secret activity is, and they're looking at him. This is just classic comics,
1: you know. You know where- what that looks like now that I think about it. Do you remember that episode of? Um- the old old max fleischer superman cartoons the one where he busts through the wall of that like laboratory or whatever yes, and like the it's wall had that yeah but it's, it looks it's a lot like
2: just one of those great things in comics where these guys are what probably would you say about 3 to 5 feet in front of superman you know he's coming through the wall mm-hmm. they you know they're doing their super villain activity boom he comes through the wall And they look at each other, and one of them goes, it is the one humans call Superman. And the other one goes, we can see who it is, fool. Kill him. (laughs) Now, if you were just going about your supervillain duties and Superman came busting out the wall, would you even have any dialogue? It would just be shoot or run. But it's It's just a classic comic moment. I think my dialogue
1: would would be something along the lines of... (laughs) Say on a family show, so. yeah, <laughs> but oh, the, yeah oh, this think, is a
2: family show.
1: Well, you know, for, for I think I'm, I've been trying <laughs> to keep
2: this particular uh, from a, for a for Manson particular family
1: particular. show. <laughs> <laughs> or or it might be something more along the lines of, of an Adams you know, family show. Hand me a clean pair of shorts. It's Superman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I surrender. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. The, the first, I don't know how many pages in this are, are not, I mean, they're really cool, but they, they're, they, they're almost like fluff leading up to what the yeah. actual story is about. Uh, the only thing that um, struck me is, is really, I, I mean, I, again, I hadn't reread this in so long, but I was really amazed. you know here this is 1991. Now, now Superman was totally rebooted in 1986 by John Byrne in the man of steel, um, miniseries, a six issue series. But if you read that series and, and really pay attention to everything in that series, you realize that even though it's only six issues by the, by the last issue of man of steel, Byrne has really established that Superman has been around for a good number of years. Um, by that last issue, I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly how many years, but I'm thinking probably at least five years, at least. I, I know there's a number count. I just off the top of my head can't remember how many years it is. But anyway, say say five years just just for the sake of argument. All right, so now that was in 86. Here this is 1991. So Superman has been around in the new continuity, the, the new reboot continuity, say 10 years by this point. Yet in this issue, he's meeting Kalibak for the very first time. I was just really taken aback by that. I really had not remembered this, that, that, wow, you know, really, he hadn't, he hadn't encountered him in all that time. I was just really surprised. And then I remembered a cover to, um, one of those Superman year one stories that was, it was an annual crossover event. You know, it was year, all all the heroes got like a year one annual. And there was an annual that had Calibac on the cover. So I went and I, I looked it up and sure enough, Calibac's in it, but they never do actually encounter each other so I, I wonder if this story is even in continuity anymore because there's there's actually a continuity thing in this later on that I'll, I'll comment on briefly but I, anyway that just struck me as really odd that that wow you know this uh, in all you know in all that time that he's been around he's never encountered Calabac uh, till till this particular story I thought that was kind of odd
2: I'm realizing it's almost it's around 20 pages before it,
1: oh, but, yeah before it gets it to the thing getting, yeah
2: getting to the meat of the story
1: so you know it starts off with with basically a, a standard you know superman's busting up one of Darkseid's earthly plots to, for domination or whatever superman has a tussle with Calibac uh, um, metron comes in and they gab for a while and then we're we're brought into the whole what the story is really about there's a whole recap a um, lot of exposition, but some really nice art. Um, basically, telling you who right, Wave Rider is and what this whole event is about, what this book is about, basically. Then we cut to Superman and Lois, you know, in one or the other's apartment. I'm not sure who's. I don't. They may have been cohabitating at this point. I'm not sure. Anyway, they're leaving to go somewhere on a date, and uh, Wave Rider decides he needs to revisit. He's already done this at least once. He's already looked into a possible history of, or excuse me, a possible future. future of Superman. But he's decided to revisit this idea and look at another possible future for Superman. So he touches Superman, starts to to follow this timeline and in this new timeline there's a horrible accident. Pa Kent is killed and Superman and Lois get married and just a whole lot of things go on, different, different stuff goes on. Eventually, um, Pete Ross visits with uh, Lois and Clark, and by this time, he and, and Lana are together. And uh, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember if, if he and Lana were married in the comics by this point. But whether they were or not, there, there's so many things in this issue I thought were really cool because they actually do come to pass, and I, 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 I think most of it was probably just, you know, happy happenstance, you know. But he and he and Lana do eventually marry if they weren't already married by this point. And uh, not only is Pete running for president, um, Pete in in actual Superman continuity eventually does does actually become the president of the United States. He's actually Lex Luthor's vice president. And when the whole thing goes down with Luthor, um, Pete gets elevated from vice president to actual president. And then his presidency eventually gets sullied by the whole uh, ruin incident, the the character ruin. You know, for a time, Pete was mistaken to actually be that ruin Character who was a who was a Batman Superman villain and all that, but anyway, the, the story's kind of neat. You know, Pete comes to Lois and Clark, and he wants them to be his what is it, press secretaries or consultants or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I think press secretaries. Basically, he so, wants them to run the run his campaign.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah, campaign managers. That's what it is. And so they're there, and um they're actually present when there's an assassination attempt on Pete, and he's being just peppered by this guy in the audience who's shooting him with a machine gun and Clark zips in, you know, he's still in his Clark Kent identity. He zips in, deflects as many bullets as he can, beats the crap out of the guy and, you know, catches Pete as he falls down and, you know, he's saying, you know, somebody call the paramedics. But at that moment, because of all the bullets and the super speed and all that, he's actually stands revealed as Superman.
2: Right, his clothes are bu- are blown off, and his Superman outfits underneath.
1: And uh, yeah, I really like. There's a there's an entire splash page that's uh, that's made up to look like a Daily Planet headline page, April tenth, two thousand. Ross wounded in assassination attempt. Top aide revealed to be Superman. So. Pete realizes, you know, he's out of it. You know, he he's he's in the hospital. You know, he's lucky to have survived. He's in no condition to carry on the race. So he tells Clark, you know, you've got you've got to take over. You've got to continue what I started. And Superman has a real problem with this. You know, he's he's really he's really got a dilemma. You know, he's he's no, you know, he even tells him, you know, Pete, I'm no politician. And
2: then just like Captain America, he says, people look up to you. And you'll mm-hmm. give him hope as president.
1: So there's a there's a really great, and th- this was my continuity thing. There's a really great sequence that I really like that they addressed in this. That they that that somebody you know, Stern's a great guy for remembering details, for remembering character history, and what I like is he's a great writer for for thinking of things that other people might not think of, and one of the things that he nailed right off the bat if Superman's going to run for president, well, wait a minute. Superman's an alien. But right. he finds, you know, he basically not so much finds a loophole, but he remembers the fact that in this burn reboot, in this continuity, you know, Superman came to Earth as, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, an embryo, as a fetus, whatever. He wasn't born. He was conceived on Krypton in a... um in a birth matrix, you know, it's in, in some sort of like gestation chamber, right? (laughs) which was strapped onto a star drive basically and sent to earth. And the gestation thing didn't open until Martha Kent reached into it and found that there was a baby in it. So, you know, through, um, the Supreme court, you know, they decide, you know, they, they investigate, they have a team from Star check the rocket ship out, and they determine that, indeed, in their estimation, Superman was not born until that happened, until, you know, he was plucked out of that chamber on Earth. So, you know, he was actually born in a Kansas cornfield on Earth. He is an American. And I thought that was great. I just thought that was a really nice touch yeah. that they you – know, that they that they remembered that, and what makes me sad, you know, my, my continuity thing is, I'm pretty sure, you know, and I try to keep up with Superman. I, I'm reading the new books and uh, and and I've read everything, you know, up to the the current stuff. There's not been an actual retold origin, but after the the recent Infinite Crisis series, there's definitely a feel that they're picking and choosing their Superman continuity. And one of the things that seems like it's fallen by the wayside is Superman coming to earth. Um, unborn, so to speak that, that they've gone back to the old silver age, you know, rocketed to earth as a baby. So he, you know, this, it just makes me sad that, that so much of the, the burn stuff has kind of been, um, backtracked on, you know, that, they've they've gone back to a lot of the the silver age as, aspects i like some of those aspects but this one i actually i, I like the burn origin best you know I, I like that he actually he's of alien origin but he is an american you know and and sadly they they've gone away from that but uh anyway moving forward in this story once that determination is made basically nothing stands in superman's way and he, he runs and, uh, I, I think it's really neat, you know, who he chooses for, um, you know, for the ticket as his vice president who, you know,
2: it's sort of, one I don't ups, know. it sort of one ups Captain America.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I don't know if Stern actually had any influence or any, you know, he's credited with like a creative contribution in the Captain America story. So I don't know if he actually had anything to do with that. But I, I, get a, I get a feel that there are definitely nods in this story back to the Cap story. And not only does he choose a black um, running mate, but it's a black woman candidate. So, you know, like you say, he, he one-ups Cap. And it goes forward from there. And, you know, of course, you know, he's Superman. You know, who the hell is going to vote against Superman? So he does get elected president. And the the two things that I, I really like are both the similarities in this story to the Captain America story in the aspect of just like Cap, he seems like he solves all the world, you know, all of America's problems. Yeah. You know, he, he, and he, does it. He himself. balances the budget. He, yeah, exactly. You know, there's, there's very little resistance to him. You know, he balances the budget. He uses solar-powered satellites, just like Captain yep. America, to solve the energy problem. He goes against he, terrorists. Yeah, he you know he whoops our enemies into submission. He solidifies alliances with our allies. You know everything's cool, and it's very similar to the Cap story in that respect. But to me, the thing you know, I, I like I said, I haven't read this probably since I originally read it. I remember loving the story. It was one of my favorite you know alternate you know. This was before the whole Elseworld thing came along. You know, Elseworld is basically DC's version of what ifs. Right. Um, this was before all that. But this basically reads like an Elseworld tale. And what's funny in this one, what's so very different from the Captain America story to me in this one, and I, I didn't see it the first time I read it, probably because I wasn't very politically minded when I read it before. Was the cap story? Cap runs as an independent, you know. It, it, that story steers well clear of partisan politics. Whereas this story, rereading it and really, really working hard to read between the lines, I'm pretty sure that Superman's running as a Democrat.
2: Well, I gotta which, say this. This is what I've been thinking: is uh, he gives uh, they, they they don't say. What he's running at But they have him at his um, At the primaries Giving his speech And his speech is a very Classical democratic speech mm-hmm. Um, There's a little bit of Both You know Parties But basically he says You know There's been Too much Too much fear and division And that's what wiped out He compares it to Krypton And uh It says uh Kryptonians lived apart, each of them a nation of one. Had it been otherwise, they might have recognized a threat to their world and united in time to save themselves. My friends, it is time to reject the politics of exclusion and instead embrace the politics of unity. It is time to reject the greedy few who have driven us to deeper into debt. They have lined their own pockets. Even as they denied us the funds to improve our children's education and cleanse our air, water, and soil, the time has come, my friends, to... Reject their leadership of fear And vote them out of office So uh, <laughs> Yeah sounds like a Sounds like a, It sounds like a democratic Time for change speech Absolutely Which you know there was just we're, we're, As we're recording it you know the democratic Primaries were what I think about a week Ago so you know mm-hmm. we heard a lot of A lot of very similar speeches You know um, Absolutely So that you know I mean i i i was very surprised at that that he, he was uh that it was that specific in uh i mean now
1: i i wanna skirt the edge for just a moment just just to ask you what how do you feel about that
2: i was surprised and uh, and and i i was i was sort of favorable to his to his speech because basically uh, you know, I mean, I don't consider myself partisan at all to the point of where I it, – it, it's not that um I'm indifferent to each par- each party or like trying to balance each party out. I equally really don't like each party. I think they all practice division and I think almost all politicians are more concentrated on getting themselves elected again rather than actually doing anything good for our country. So I never – you know – I, I, it just Superman's comments in general, I agree with, I don't like people, the, the people that are getting rich at the expense of the environment and, and all that, but I don't consider that making me a, a, a Democrat because I, I basically everything the Democrats say bad about the Republicans I agree with, but just about everything the Republicans say bad about the Democrats I agree with too. So it just doesn't really speak well for either party in, in our country and uh as as usual I think the comic books try not to you know they don't come out and say he's a democrat but I mean as a kid reading it you're not going to really even think about that you're just going to read the speech and maybe See, exact- it's, it's a lot of text on that page As a, a little kid might even sk- just sort of skim through it and get to where the actions happen and you know but uh
1: I wasn't a little kid reading this. Let me see, ninety-one. I would have been, what, twenty-three? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't a little kid, but I will say I wasn't terribly. I mean, you know, of course I've always voted and all that, but I, I wouldn't say I was particularly politically aware. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, I wasn't politically minded, so to speak. I didn't pay attention to partisanship and all that sort of thing this I I will say see I don't want to I don't really want to get into real politics too much but um, just it did bother me on a reread only the fact of I I I really do feel like they're coming pretty much right out and with you know and doing everything but saying that he's running as a Democrat and that bothers me for two reasons for one I would like to think really of Superman as nonpartisan, you know, that he doesn't really subscribe to one one or the other because he's Superman, you know, because he's almost
2: like a Disney like iconic thing. So he's got to, he's got to sort of avoid that, that issue.
1: But on the other hand, and I guess this is where the, the, the bothersome thing comes in at the same rate. I do believe that if Superman were real, if he existed, that he would vote. You know, he—he's definitely all about America. He loves his country. You know, truth, justice, the American way—that whole thing. And just—I know that this is putting my own personal politics and—and you know, what's the what's the term? You know, like projecting them onto Superman. Right. I definitely, definitely do not feel that Superman would be a Democrat. I've never had that impression of the character. I've never felt that way well, about. Well, if you Superman. look at the Dark
2: Knight, he was definitely a Republican in the Dark Knight.
1: Absolutely. When, you know it, he was. Which. Which I don't like that portrayal either, because then it takes it to the other extreme, where he's a tool of the establishment. Which I don't think of Superman that way either. Right. But you know. I don't know, like I say, I don't want to get too much into real politics, but just uh, rereading this, that was the one nasty, well, not nasty, but that was the one uncomfortable thing I came away with was a a definite feeling of Superman was picking a side, and not to sound like an ass, but I felt like he was picking the wrong side, you know what I mean? But uh, anyway, I mean, whether that's true or not, uh, you know, I think the fact that his opponent looks very Reagan-esque... And his name is Herbert Forrest, which, you know, wasn't George Sr., isn't it? George Herbert Walker. You know, and then Bush and Forrest. I I don't know. It just seemed very thinly disguised as he was actually running against George Bush. But But in
2: the timeline of this, he would have been running against George Bush Jr. Because his presidency, if it was the 2000 election, that's the year Bush Jr. got in office first time. So, was so, it? Yeah. What was he it running 2000 against? election 2000 and 2004? So, so so Superman. Oh, Superman in... would have been No, you're right. You're right there right, would have been no right. 9/11 because Superman pretty much takes out the terrorists first thing. So, but this But, it's but funny this that is he, written, he makes a lot of sp-
1: He makes a lot of swipes about the pre- the previous administration. But it's funny because he wouldn't have known in ninety one that the previous administration that he's Clinton. doing so much complaining about would have actually been Clinton right not not a republican president right that's but kind at, of the sa- at,
2: at the same point you could have said all that's you know everything everything that you hear people griping about the Republicans doing when Clinton was president they were griping about they were just a, you know. Sometimes it was a different set of people, but there were still, you know, the same gripes were happening with his administration that, 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 you know, just a different side gets riled up about it. You know, when Clinton was in office, the Republicans were exposing all the, the sketchy stuff he did while the, you know, while the Democrats were cheerleaders or at least being supportive. And then mm-hmm. it just switches It's almost like, I don't want to even get into my politics, but yeah, I think it's <laughs> it's divide and conquer, baby.
1: Well, let me ask you this now. Um, page thirty-six. <clears throat> now, first of all, man, I I love that top panel of of Superman and Aquaman side by side. Yes, Superman's just awesome looking in that. You know, he's got the huge. chest. that's the way I like Superman portrayed with that giant S on his chest. Carrying He's carrying a vault. this massive vault with one, you know, it's so casual. It's like it's a backpack, but it's like massive. It's got to weigh several tons. All right, now let me ask you, I am certainly no economist, but if someone walked out of the ocean with a giant vault with billions of dollars worth of <laughs> gold uh, nuggets or gold, gold bricks in it, would that not play total havoc with the world economy?
2: I think it would. It's it's that 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 part of it I thought I was like, "Oh my god, this is just the easiest. It's like, ah, we need, you know, we'll fix the national debt. <laughs> oh, wasn't there that ship that sunk and they go and and pull out. And I can't remember what I think there's a point where they they say something like there must be millions of dollars in here. <laughs> oh, oh yes, yeah. holy this, okay, this gold shipment, which had been lost for decades, it will, of course, go directly into our reserves. This is just the first of many such projects. And the reporter's looking at it and she goes, holy, at current prices, that's worth millions. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that'll fix the budget right there, you know. Millions, that's like, that, you know, that that might help out in a, like, mid-sized city budget. <laughs> even, I'm in, just really, even in well, the I'm year sorry. 2000 as envisioned by 91, <laughs> you know? I mean, our debt and everything was being counted in the billions at that point in time, you know? And the,
1: who- I'm just really happy that in this picture on page 34, the last panel is Aquaman swing to something that's just called the freighter we're looking for. It's snapped apart up in the bow section and laying on the ocean and they go in and they get this giant thing of, of gold out of it. I'm just really thankful that it wasn't called the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, for the umpteenth time, there was no gold shipment on the Titanic and there actually is a story that um, I don't know if it's still in DC continuity, but for a while um, the character Neptune Perkins, his uh, uh, origin story is tied to the Titanic and it's actually this preposterous story where um, Captain Nemo sank the Titanic with a, a with a fake iceberg so that he could loot the gold off the ship as it was going down. It's just totally, totally ridiculous. That is story. just
2: ridiculous, and that doesn't fit with Captain Nemo's personality or motivations either.
1: Well, not not to mention the least you know, the, not the least of which is that you know there's a panel in this issue. It's an issue of uh, Young All Stars. Where they show Captain Nemo literally like slide like this massive panel aside on the side of the Titanic and they're unloading all the gold. If they had this massive sliding doorway on the side <laughs> of the Titanic and they slid it open to get the gold out, the ship that took two and a half hours to sink would take about two and a half minutes to yep. sink. So it's totally ridiculous, but... uh. That's neither here nor there. I just thought it worth mentioning that I I'm just thankful that um it wasn't the Titanic. And uh I can't decide whether I think Superman President Superman in his um presidential suit with the Superman S on the lapel is really, really awesome looking or really really ridiculous. Easy. Yeah. I can't decide. One sometimes it looks cool and then other times I look at it and go. Wow. That's really,
2: (laughs) it's kind of sporty, but (laughs) at the same time, you know, he is president Kent. So, but it does at least, yeah, I think people, I think people would be kind of, uh, a little bit, a little bit sketchy about him wearing the S on his presidential lapel anyway, (laughs) or it's not even, it's like on his chest.
1: Well, the thing that, you know, this seems so odd to me to say this, because I am, you know, granted, I love DC and Marvel, but I am first and foremost a DC DC boy, you know, Superman is my, is my guy, you know, I'm, I'm a Superman fan first and foremost. So I seem, I feel almost hypocritical saying this, but you know, it's weird how Captain President America in costume all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But Superman, you know, President Superman in costume, in the white, it's just, it looks ridiculous to me. Why, why didn't President Captain America not bother me in the least? (laughs) President Superman just seems so silly. I mean, it really, it's goofy to me. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're used to seeing Clark Kent, you know, get equal time where Captain America really, you know, he's pretty much Captain America all the time, you know, yeah, he has the the Steve Rogers identity, but they, they uh, to me, Steve Rogers was never really fleshed out as a as a real person. You know what I mean? Not like Clark Kent. I mean, who 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 out there can really even tell you like what what did what did Cap do for a living? You I, know. Uh... <laughs> so I guess that was it. But uh, sadly, I, I I do think that this one suffers kind of the same type of deal as the Cap issue, where I think. Uh, this one almost feels like they didn't quite know how to end the story because it—it's it, it, really cool up until about page forty, and then it just goes off into some weird That's when morality thing. Uh, getting all the people.
2: all the superheroes together and saying, "Look, we're gonna ensure world peace."
1: Yeah. It. it, it. It's almost like a, like a thing about it's, absolute, it's like a warning on absolute power it, or
2: something. It's a, he, he, well, it's funny because that's where he sort of proposes a sort of one world system or at least a, a one world, or at least it's not even as much a one world system as much as all the superheroes making sure that the, you know, enforcing America's, the president of the United States will on the whole world for a good cause which is world peace but that's when he that's when he runs afoul of uh he does run afoul unlike captain america he runs afoul of someone and that's uh guy gardner all of a sudden gets pissed off and is like no you're trying to take over the world you know we can't have this
1: and again doesn't now granted Granted, I'm prejudiced because I've never liked Guy Gardner. I've always thought he was an asshole. I've I've never liked the way he's portrayed, but in this, he really almost seems like the token extreme right wing. He's, right-wing character. he's yeah. not
2: even. I don't think he's as much of a right wing character as much as sort of a. Um, it 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 feels even more like I don't want to say libertarian, but it feels more like. Um, Say the uh, conspiracy theory crowd, the crowd, you know, the anti-one world government, and you know, nine one one is a hoax crowd. You know, I don't want to lump them all together because validity right. or not, but you know, but the, the the people who get really riled up about conspiracy theories and and stuff like that, he just seems he's like one of those people. You know, he's. I mean he starts right off in a froth, you know, he's a frothing he just starts raving. And he actually has is somewhere in there he has some um some validity, you know, to what he's saying, but of course he's yes. just he's yeah. wound up to a he's wound up into a you know, so he looks ridiculous cuz he's a caricature.
1: Well, I'm looking at page 40, and I'm looking, there's this great, great group shot. It's it's President Superman, he's yep. on this podium, and he's got all these guys gathered. You know, he's he's got basically the, the Justice League, Batman and Robin, the Doom Patrol, you know, all these great heroes in there. Just on a quick scan of this, this panel, I can see at least four other characters that I would think that this very totalitarian-sounding plan of yeah. Superman's would really annoy, or really make him go, whoa, 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 wait! Not the least of which is Batman. Uh huh. Does Batman not strike you as a character that would go, oh, I don't think I like where this is going? But you know, the
2: Batman's one to talk because he's kind of considered a vigilante himself. So it's mm. kind of an extension of Batman, but it would be sort of like, do I would I want to extend? into, you know, enforcing the law upon other countries, because basically he's saying, you know, we're going to use the superheroes to make sure other countries aren't a threat to the rest of the world and we're going to disarm everybody and make it peaceful, which is, that's just the slipperiest of slippery slopes ever. It now, is, granted, you know what? it's Superman, so he is Superman, so if anybody's going to pull it off, it's going to be Superman, but Guy Gardner has a valid point. He's like, so, if this happens, there's not going to be any army, because we're not going to need an army, but that puts total power in the hands of the superheroes. So, so basically, Su- Superman is installing the superheroes as the enforcers of the world, so it's more sort of like the superheroes take over the world, rather than Superman becomes president. So you know, I would have a, I would have a problem with that, you know, and you can sort of see they, they sort of have stunned looks on their faces and somebody's, um, thinking to themselves, he, you know, he's really serious, but then the Flash is like, if anybody could do it, he could do it. And, uh, and, uh, Storm looks like she's kind of, uh, kind of taken aback by it, but, um, or not storm, um, or starfire, starfire. Yeah. she yeah, I sort she of does, look that... on her face, like she's, I'm getting my comic teams mixed up. <laughs> um, yeah, but she looks like she's sort of stunned by the whole thing. But, uh, you know, as soon as Guy Gardner starts questioning it, everybody jumps to Superman's defense immediately. They're just like, Hey, Gardner, you know, back off. And it's like no, nobody, nobody says, "Hey, you know, he has a, you know, he's kind of a, kind of crazy, but you know, he does bring up a couple of good points." And then it turns into a superhero fight. Actually,
1: you know what? Now I feel bad. If I'd have thought of this sooner, a, 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 an excellent way to to get a better feel for for this idea of mine that that somebody should be bothered by this. There actually was a story a number of years ago, not not too long ago. One of my favorite stories, although I don't think that it was well received, I don't think it was a very popular storyline, but it was a story where this guy was messing with Superman's head and, and making him see like visions of disasters and stuff. And so basically Superman went into like 24 hour a day Superman mode and it got to a point where his paranoia and, and, his, and everything got so bad that he eventually literally did take over the world you know he he created like an army of Superman robots he basically proclaimed himself like King so that you know he thought he was being proactive but what he didn't realize was that he was actually yeah he become like a like a total dictator now I know that Heroes gathered to oppose him. I'm trying to remember if Batman was. It seems to me that that basically everybody was opposed to him, including Batman. But you know, you make an interesting point because on the one hand, I can see, I can, I can see where you're coming from, saying, you know what, Batman might actually go. Yeah, I, I, I can buy into this. But on the other hand, Batman is such a control freak that although I think he would actually kind of go for the idea of, you know what. Um, we need to enforce, you know, the, you know, we need to enforce the whole thing. I'd, I, I could see him opposing Superman only from the angle of if anybody's going to do it, Batman's going to do it. You know what I mean? He he could go for the right. idea, but he'd want to be in charge, you know, rather than let Superman do it. Cause I don't think he, he puts that much faith in Superman, but I I don't know. It's interesting. The other three guys that I thought of. Where are uh, we're Hawk from uh, Hawk and Dove, um, the Guardian, who's the kind of Captain America-looking dude off to the left right. there with the shield, and then the guy just below him. Um, and crap, now I'm gonna oh you it's you I think it's U.S. Agent. Oh, no, it's not U.S. Agent. That's a Marvel guy. It's uh, ah that crap. I'll think of it later. But he's very much like a Captain America-esque kind of person very patriotic type of type of guy though those at least those four people my my immediate thought was you know what these are people that i somehow i i think would have at least a little bit of a they'd be a little taken aback you know they, they'd think twice about blindly following superman into into you know we're going to take over you know, we're going to, we're going to basically be, we're going to become the government, you know, superheroes are going to rule common man.
2: We're going to be and, beneficent dictators, basically. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And yeah, that, that just didn't, I don't know, it didn't quite strike me. Yeah. It didn't quite ring true to me, but, uh, but then, you know, Superman does quote the, uh, the whole, you know, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely thing. So at least he, he does seem like he's realizing he is on a slippery slope and and he does seem like he's struggling with the whole thing, but then you know before there's any real resolution to that you know wave wave rider uh withdraws you know from his his look into superman's future, so we never really get a resolution you know where where does the superman presidency eventually go you know is does he wind up well, Being a dictator or you know, how does the whole thing play out?
2: Well Guy Gardner sort of attacks him, tries tries to kill him, so then it's um becomes you know, he's try attacked the president. And in, in the battle somehow Superman, you know, grabs onto his fist and ends up with his Green Lantern ring on his finger. And isn't that where wave riders like, aha, this is where Superman becomes mm-hmm. the monarch because now he gains all the power because Superman does it you know has the ring, but it basically he has the ring, and he's like, "Oh, I took it away from Guy Gardner, and now he's you know off to off to jail the the lantern corpse come corps comes and hauls him off in a bubble, but uh, you know he's got the ring, and he's he, you know, he's like, well, the charge is gonna run out. You know, I could, I could really like, I could really um, wield a lot of power with this, but it's gonna need to be recharged, and they're gonna come and take it back. And they come and they basically say, no, we like you, we think you're responsible to have the power, so they give him the rechar the lantern to recharge the ring. And that's where, you know, they're starting to think he's gonna be the monarch. But I don't know. See that? He that's decided, my... Then he decides that he's not going to be, you know, because you know, super, super. You can see Superman decides that he's not going to become a dictator, and they sort of leave it at that. But I remember it's very unresolved. This...
1: Yeah, it is. And and I wish I could remember what my reaction to the Green Lantern sequence in this book was, you know, when I was younger, because I. I can only remember loving this story. I can't remember specific reactions to specific parts. And this was the part, you know, besides the thing that I I think that somebody besides just Guy Gardner should have objected to Superman's plan. This was the other part on the reread that really bothered me was Not just Hal Jordan, but the entire Green Lantern Corps, you know, I'm assuming this means the Guardians, thinks it's a good idea for Superman to get a Green Lantern ring. Now, he's Superman, arguably the most powerful person on the planet. Now he's also the most politically powerful person on the planet is this really a guy that you want to hand the most powerful weapon in the universe to?
2: Well, it turns out he is because he gives it back. He says actually this is, you know, too much power and he gives it back to him. So he was, but he was in the sense of he didn't want the power. So doesn't yeah, he says uh yeah, he says give this to someone who'll put it to good use. Mm-hmm. And he quotes the, you know, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely so he actually like rejects rejects it because he knows you know that he's superman but he'd still be tempted to use it and then implements solar power and then the the way it sort of turns out is after wave rider is that his name wave rider Uh
1: uh-huh
2: after wave rider is sort of followed this this chain of future events possible future realities it sort of triggers something in clark kent to where he remembers that pa kent died so he goes and saves pa kent before the Mm -hmm. tractor crushes him thus pretty much pretty much cutting himself off from the timeline of being president, too, whether he consciously rem- knows that or not, from right. what he picked up from, you know, his memory that he got from Wave Rider. but still, whether it's conscious or not, he pretty much puts a nix on that future timeline of him becoming president, so I guess that's how, that's why it ends with, you know, he's definitely not going to be monarch because... He's not going to become president, and never be tempted with the the green lantern ring, but that doesn't particularly even really actually exclude him from ever be- ever becoming the monarch, just not in that fashion
1: exactly the whole uh,
2: the whole alternate reality thing is a slippery slope because if you follow the logic of that there are alternate realities and timelines that you can follow it also follows in logic that there's infinite <laughs> timelines mm-hmm. and and alternate realities so to properly to properly you know exclude or include somebody as becoming the monarch by following their alternate timelines would be really impossible because you know, uh, if you have an infinite amount of timelines, I guess you could probably find a timeline for anybody where they become the monarch, whether it be you, me, or Pete Hesh. You know, some <laughs> somewhere if they true. have an infinite amount of timelines, somewhere along that line, you know, you know, basically everything is going to to come to pass in some way. You know, there's a timeline where you and I are both green. And there's a timeline where I'm green and you're purple.
1: So you're saying that Wave Rider is essentially wasting... He's wasting his, a monumental time. Cars. But he's also
2: <laughs> making it possible for DC to do a comic book about Superman being president without having a what-if. See, that's the problem is they don't ha- they didn't have a what-if title, so they had to jump through all kinds of hoops to get Superman to be president, you know? Mm-hmm. because they can't be just like oh this is well then they at some point i don't think they consciously did imaginary stories but then isn't that what they wrote off a lot of stuff as being yes. so they could so they could say well this didn't happen because it was just an imaginary story
1: Well they they eventually created a whole um i don't know if you want to call it an imprint but they created a, a a banner on books that they would publish that were they were really just what if stories, but they would call them else worlds because you know Marvel already had the whole what if uh, what if thing, and they would be else world stories and it would basically be you know they did all kinds of really cool yeah. ones it know, would be stuff something like, you, you know, could
2: read without have and you would once you when when you were reading it, you knew it didn 't have anything to do with the real continuity or timeline it was
1: well, they did to a point, but then what what really bothers me is you know after the whole um infinite crisis and there was a series called fifty two then they established that basically and it wasn't even all of them that was the really frustrating thing it was basically the ones that dc deemed the the coolest or the best or the most i guess that had the most story potential certain elseworld stories were actually deemed to be quote real and in continuity (laughs) they were just on alternate earths. Oh, okay. So after all the crap that they went with went through with Crisis on Infinite Earths oh. and wiping away all these other earths and and uniting all the all the surviving earths into one coherent history and all, then they go in um you know in this event this 52 event and they create 52 parallel worlds and all these parallel worlds are where the elseworld stories happen but only only slight I mean cuz there's been more than 52 different elseworld stories, sure. so it's only like the ones that they picked and choose to be uh, It just it gets really complicated and it, it's somewhat aggravating because I I'm actually I would not be opposed to them just saying you know what we're gonna undo crisis we're bringing back the multiverse that actually would be much cooler to me than, than them having said well well we're gonna Sort of bring back the multiverse. It's, oh, my God. You make up your mind, you know? But anyway, it's it's funny to me, um, you know, in, in wrapping this up, you know, my thoughts on this. Um, rereading the What If with Cap, still love it. Still get a kick out of it. Still think it holds up. The action one, not so much, you know? I, I still like it. Still a great story. The art is absolutely just amazing but the story i don't know I, it wasn't i didn't walk away feeling as good about the story as i did reading it the first time i, I actually walked away with a kind of a sinister vibe about president superman
2: <laughs> hell i thought it was just a little more convoluted than the captain america one. the captain america one could get right to the point and do its do its job this one had to sort of jump through a lot of hoops in certain places But, and, uh, I also thought it was, I, I don't know. I, I liked I definitely like the Captain America story a lot better. It was, it was a lot more to the point. This, this one was a little, little more rambly, but I did enjoy it. And, you know, I I I wasn't as disturbed as you by the idea of democratic Superman. (laughs) I was just surprised. I I, I
1: wonder if maybe. Maybe part of it too was was you know the thing where President Superman wasn't as you know because now he's a politician he he wasn't he didn't quite maintain that supermanness you know that that purity that that squeaky cleanness that he seems to exude when he's just you know superhero superman now he's president Superman. There just there was a much more sinister edge to him in the story, you know, where some of the stuff he, he was doing. He was
2: getting tempted by kinda, power.
1: Exact that's yeah, exactly. And see, that was the thing that was I won't say missing, but that was the thing that was not present. You know, we both noted in the Captain America story that you know, Cap through that whole story, you know, there's no opposition to him. You know, he, he's pure through the whole story. You know, he's he's altruistic. And he dies a martyr. Whereas in the Superman story, I mean, at at, at near the end, before Wave Rider withdraws from from viewing his future anymore, you know, it is kind of uh, you know he he's starting to have doubts, and he even says something to his mother about the fact, you know, I can't get these people to work together, and so it is injecting some actual real world political political problems. Yeah, yes. exactly, and and uh, maybe that's what colors it to me is that it doesn't end on you know even though Cap dies, it doesn't end on the positive note that the caps you know Cap dies, but he's inspired people you know he's he's been he was he was a great president, you know he he gave his life for his country whereas in the Superman story, you know it ends with a feeling of you know Superman could actually end up out of office and maybe he wasn't even all that effective but because it, it, in the end he, he wasn't able to unite the country the way cap did.
2: It also, it, it sort of ends more with the moral of it. It sort of actually ends with the moral of him choosing not to go to stay right away from politics. He chooses, he chooses the life of his father over eventually becoming president of the United States, although it's not really a conscious choice, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the at, at the end, you know, it it was the it was the death of his father which launched him into politics, which was like one of the tipping points. And uh, so, in avoiding that, in 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 avoiding Pa Kent's death, which, you know, not was was sort of precluding him ever having to grapple with, the, with the problems of being a politician. And it was pretty much saying Superman's better off (laughs) being Superman and not president Superman. Whereas Captain America, it was pretty much left off with, he was the greatest president ever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I, I you know I definitely think it, it it's a neat read you know it's worth reading um I just didn't have quite the same take on yeah. it you know the, the the second time around It wasn't it, well, uh, it
2: wasn't as fun it was more in the re- it was more it had some more coloring of the real world in it
1: That yeah that's very true and I wonder you know what what influence if any it had um you know with with the eventual you know DC eventually did what um to my knowledge had never been done in comics before when they actually you know years later made luthor um president in continuity which you know that 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 was quite the ballsy thing to yeah. do with a you know with a with a, a, an actual character in their continuity but a big character you know it's not like they took some a supervillain character yeah a supervillain but i mean a major character you know it's not like they just took you know, like some, I don't know, like some blue beetle villain that, you know, a handful of people know and made him the president. I mean, they took, you know, a major character, you know, granted, he was a super villain, but still, you know, Lex Luthor, you know, I mean, everybody knows yeah. who Lex Luthor is and, and made him president. You know, I remember at the time thinking, wow, you know, that that was a ballsy move. And I just wonder, you know, does does a story like this, did that have any bearing You know, did that have any influence, um, that sort of thing? It definitely seemed like it was, uh, you know, kind of prescient in, in a couple of aspects, you know, with the whole Pete Ross thing and and all of that. But uh, I, I think I'll I'll save some of my speculation on President Luthor for uh, when we do our our p- follow up uh, politics and comics show. I think it can be
2: generally agreed that Marvel and DC both wanted um, a black vice president, and they both yes. wanted solar power. <laughs> That can be that can be completely agreed upon. I think that was that was what I found the most interesting. Those seem to be the two mo- two of the more important points that they made, and
1: uh, yeah, yeah, they that, were definitely parallel in, in you know in that one respect at least. The the stories were were very similar, you know, in, in how basically they solved America's problems in a page and a half. Well,
2: the reality, no matter how the election comes out, the part of the reality of each of those comics is guaranteed to come true, because we're either going to have a black president or we're going to have a female vice president. Ooh. So good. so no matter <laughs> so no matter what, no matter who wins the election. One of those comics is going to be even more prescient than it is right now. So hats off to the authors, (laughs) to the writers. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, another thing I'd like to mention is this has been our first comic book show ever in our podcast history so far. So hopefully this will be the first of many. Yes,
1: yes. Yes and i I almost feel like I need to apologize that it that it's taken us so long to do a a comic book show, but yeah we do we 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 plan to have more, we promise to have more um you know we both love comics um read a heck of a lot of them um own a heck of a lot of them so we we definitely plan to inject more comic discussion in our show um
2: We'll have some more comic in our comic book discussion in our next show and more political discussion.
1: All right, anything uh, anything else no, on these two?
2: I think that's about it. I think we've about hit all of our talking points, our major talking points to speak in the language of politics. I think we both put our spin on on each comic
1: we, uh, we can be contacted, uh, one of several ways. Um, we can be contacted through Gmail. It's two true freaks at gmail.com. That's T W O true freaks at gmail.com. We have a forum on the comic forums.com. Just, uh, scroll on down. You'll find us under two true freaks. Um, everybody is in alphabetical order on that page. Um, we also are on uh, MySpace, Two True Freaks. What is it? Two true freaks slash MySpace? Something like that? MySpace slash two
2: true freaks ah, okay.
1: All right. Um so we do have several ways you can get a hold of us. Um we would love to hear from you. Uh let us know what you think. Um, you know, about these comics, about our show, anything you want to talk about, anything you want us to talk about. Um we promise to read uh the good ones, <laughs> <laughs> or as many as we uh, can get to. Absolutely, and uh, we will be doing um, one other politics show, just more of a general discussion on you know uh, politics in comics, just you know our thoughts and ramblings and that sort of thing on politics and comics. And uh, join us for our regular shows. We have got some good stuff coming up. We've got some good stuff already out there. So yep. uh, if you ha- if this is the first time listening to us, thank you for uh, joining us. Um, please come on back we We promise to try our best to always be entertaining and uh remember to check out the other uh myriad of comic book and uh and you know related podcasts that are also doing this uh politics and comics event the uh The whole intent of these crossover events is to get people to try out uh the other shows that they may not have heard of or may not be listening to. But that, for this one month anyway, are doing a similar theme, a, a similar topic. Yeah. So try them out. You might like some of yeah, them. Yeah,
2: you might find some something else to be addicted to <laughs> on the internet.
1: <laughs> Thanks for joining us.
2: I'm uh, Scott Gardner. And I'm Chris Honeywell. And we're two true freaks talking comic books for for once, finally.